Welcome to Read by Example, where teachers are leaders and leaders need to know literacy. That is a quote uh, from Rigi Rotman's book, Read, Write, Lead. And uh, I think I'm going to start using it here just because this is what this newsletter and I guess new podcast is all about is um, talking to teacher leaders and, and leaders who know literacy um, to share their ideas and experiences so that we can learn from each other. So in this episode, I welcome Mary Komar, a third grade teacher from Waukesha, Wisconsin, and Kathy Champeau, a reading specialist, consultant coach, very involved in the Wisconsin State Reading Association and instructor at UW-Milwaukee for over 30 years. So welcome, Mary and Kathy. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, it's fun to be here and to talk with you about this, this issue, this topic. And we are here together because of an exciting new book that's come out. It's called Engaging Literate Minds, Developing Children's Social, Emotional, and Intellectual Lives, K3. Um, this is a collaborative project. I'm, I'm going to list all the authors here. Uh, Peter Johnston, and if you're familiar with any of Peter's work, uh, Opening Minds, Choice Words, books that I've reread myself, um, I find just essential for educators, and as well, Kathy, Mary, uh, Sarah Helmer, Andrea Hartwig, Tara Krieger, and Lori McCarthy. And uh, I'll just start by saying when I first heard about this book and I saw all of these authors, I thought, oh, I wonder if it's like kind of like a, you take this chapter and then you take this chapter. Um, and we're, we'll write kind of a uh, more of an anthology of, of essays, but um, that's not what this is. This is a uh, truly collaborative project, which I thought was just very neat. Um, but I just I would put it, that would be the first question to Mary and Kathy here is just, how did this project come about? Oh, well, uh, Matt, this has been long <laughs> in the making, and it actually started at our the school that I was a reading specialist at with some of the authors as we were exploring together ways to help uh, children's literacy lives be more productive and what we could do to support them. And so it really began, we were grounded in the work, I have to say this, in the work of uh, Mari Clay, who helped us to understand, to approach children with the asset model in mind, um, focusing on their strengths, and also what it means to have uh, children in control of their learning. It grew out of that, but it really became evident that there was more to what we needed to to learn and we turned to uh, Peter Johnston actually and every time I would hear Peter speak about his work I would have a child or some children in mind as trying to problem solve and his work on choice words is really what started us on this journey of this project we tried to read and understand what it would be like to make his work come alive in our classrooms and in working with kids. The other piece that's important is that the, the district that we were working in really embraced teachers coming together to expand their intellectual lives, working together, and we were not, um, we never, I was in, in this district, never under a basil or a script. Uh, we, that's what started this whole project. I, and then it, it just expanded as we tried to make this come alive. Mm -hmm. And I can see that just reading, I'm only into the first hundred pages. I've 
we're, we're doing this book as a book study this summer. So I'm, I have to be patient, but I, I want to keep going through it. But it's just interesting how you, like you said, you describe the practices um, that originated from, an, uh, from another book that Peter wrote. And, but you're still embedding a lot of that research to support the descriptions of practice that you've applied in your schools. And um, Mary is one of those teachers uh, working with Kathy um, as, as almost like a co-teacher. And just as Kathy said, Mary, you have a lot of authority in your classrooms um, that have been distributed to you by the leaders. And then you've kind of done the same thing with your students. You've, you've created them as equals in the classroom. And why is that so important, Mary, to, to foster and facilitate? I think it's important that you um, create a climate or a culture amongst the learners. And in the beginning of the year, the first on um, day one, all of us, all the authors in our stories, we always um, start off with, we are all learners, teachers, researchers, and noticers. So what we're doing is, is that we're setting the stage for them to feel that they all have, they all bring to the conversation or for the thinking, they, it's everything that they're bringing is valued so that there's no hierarchy that's in the, that exists in the class that we all have something to share and that we, that they feel valued so that when we come together, there's no one that feels any less, you know, that, um, that they, that they may feel like they're silenced, but that they have so much, they, that they have something to offer. And that's the, that's kind of what we bring. That's how we start the year off with mm -hmm. that, that climate that we try to invite, we're inviting everyone in, we're gathering together and we're going to, um, talk about how we want um, our community to unfold. Mm -hmm. One of the things um, that we're trying to show in the book is uh, just what you pointed out, Matt, that the, um, the power structures need to be different because the outcomes are different. So if kids see the teacher as the complete authority and the all-knowing, and they're, they, they approach learning as being compliant, trying to figure out and please, uh, and they form a dependence on the teacher as opposed to becoming collaborative problem solvers. Once the kids and the students know that their thinking matters, the whole game changes. The whole room comes alive. They, they become engaged and that's the first and foremost outcome that we're looking for is kids have to be engaged. So that means that their thinking has to be important to them and important to us. And once they see we value that and it's valuable to each other, it just explodes. It's just the most thrilling thing to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love the uh, part um, uh, with the, a fine, fine school uh, when the kids were feeling that sense of injustice that the principal had. <laughs> You know, um, yes. wanted school all the time, and he was so well-meaning, and the kids were kind of afraid. And then they talked about that power structure, and that was actually part of the topic. And um, mm -hmm. you really did yeah. together really describe in detail what engagement really is, because that can be kind of a, a fuzzy term in education. I am curious, though, too, just I love the description and, and how the dialogue, how was that dialogue captured in the classroom and through creating this book and, and, and making this project come alive through the text? Well, something that I, I have to say that we learned from Mary Cowie and her book, Black Ants and Buddhists, and in her presentations a long time ago, is the importance of writing down what kids are saying and then being able to go back to that, to um, take a look at it, to unpack it, 
not only for the teacher, but for the children as well. So early on, one of my roles in going into the classrooms was to start writing down what the children were saying, who sang it, what they were saying, because it served two purposes. One, it helped us to go back and reflect together on it. So the, the teachers and I, we would sit together and see what we noticed. But also in the moment, it helps us and Mary still does this, she still, and she can talk about that. It helps us in the moment to see how we can help build those thinking connections and the places we might go back to and take children back to and actually name the, you know, the, the person and the comment for everyone to reflect on. So that, that piece of writing it down was important. And the part in the book with the, um, invisible boy it just so happened that peter and i were both in the classroom when this was unfolding so peter and i together wrote furiously <laughs> uh and and trying to get this all down and as you can tell in that chapter there was a lot a lot that was happening that conversation yeah and mary just as a teacher being observed and and getting this kind of feedback through transcribing conversations uh, um how did that play into your professional learning? Well, that helps. It's my professional learning, but it's also the learning of the students. Because what I do is when I read a lot of book, we unpack it. What I do is what, as the conversation is unfolding, I still um, write down what they're saying because they say such amazing things. And I want to capture it. And what I do, the, and that the conversation goes on, but what I do is the, when I go home after school, I start um, typing out exactly what, what was said and who said what. And then that kind of gives me an idea of, where the conversation leads for the next day. Sometimes you come across a question or that was, we didn't have time to unpack or maybe a confusion that or misconception that we can talk about together the next day. So what I do is I put up a script the following day after the conversation the first time. And then the students just kind of take a look at it and we just read it together as reread and kind of analyze what happened, like what, what kind of moves have, you know, what was shared and, and we do it for two reasons. We can either do it, we do it for um, what was shared to, to start the conversation for the second day, or we also do it for what are some of the things you're noticing that our, that our learners are doing. For example, they, in the beginning of the year, they realized that when someone was posing a question, someone would ask another question. And we talked about the importance of, you know, if someone would ask a question, the importance of answering the question you know, first unpacking it first before we start, before another question is sparked. So they learn that to give each other, if you're going to ask a question, then allow others to um, answer it. And then someone might have a different perspective. So they're always given time to think about it and, 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 and honor the questions that are being asked because they ask the question, they, they're trying to make sense of it. So the students are learning the importance of listening, you know, answering questions and, and adding on and maybe disagreeing, but always giving the time needed to have their answers um, answered, their questions answered. You know, this is a perfect example, Matt, of what I uh, had uh, uh, mentioned before, that when children find out that their thinking is valued, that then everything it just becomes alive. Well, this is an, a, a, an example of that, because when Mary said, if there's a question asked and the, the children aren't really listening to it, and not responding to it, it's telling the child that asked that question that their thinking really isn't important. So by coming back to it, positions each child as their thinking matters. Mm -hmm. 
you're, you're teaching kids not to just be readers and writers, but to be better people and productive and thoughtful future citizens. And one of the things that we're trying to accomplish is just not that children are talking together, but they're building knowledge together. They're mm -hmm. thinking together. We're trying to help kids learn how to think together. So instead of what we call, Mary and I call popcorn talk, where you have a book that you want to talk about and each child has something that they want to say and they're just focused on what they want to say and they're not focusing on what each other is saying, mm -hmm. then you, you're not building thinking together. So when you're helping kids to go back to each other's ideas and listen intently, that's one of the important parts of thinking together. And that, it reminds me of the phrase I love, I bookmarked it and I keep coming back to it, collaboratively independent. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that again, collaboratively independent where kids are both knowing themselves, but they're also reliant on, on the community. And I, I just, again, I love that term. And is that just kind of what we're aiming for with all of our kids is to, to be themselves and as well as a part of the community? Well, actually, if teachers realized how easy it makes their job, they would be embracing this right away because one of the things that's an indicator that children are dependent is what I call if there's a kite string at, the, at a teacher's desk, for example, where kids are lined up to get help from the teacher. Well, in these classrooms, none of these classrooms, there's never any of that because they are they find that there are resources for each other. And I think the, the book has uh, many little uh, episodes or vignettes about how children find each other helpful and uh, as collaborative problem solvers, which then makes them independent. But it also frees up each teacher in the classroom to focus on whatever that she might be doing, perhaps with individuals or small groups of, of children, because there's so many places where kids can problem solve and figure things out on their own if, if that's an expectation and if the community is set up that way. And Mary, I think talked about that too, what you're speaking to, Kathy, is you know, you're able to go home and you have the energy to, to transcribe your notes and, and reflect on it and then bring it back to the kids the next day. And, and you must see that, Mary, uh, being freed up to be you know, the, the teacher you want to be. Yeah, it's so exciting. I can't tell you when I read what they say, I'm like, oh my gosh. And if, um, you know, when I, when I script it and the next morning I put it up, they'll tell me, you know, like this is like, they always like, this is how I said it. You can, cause they, they kind of guide me and say, well, I didn't say it that way, but this is what I said. <laughs> so I have to go, I mean, I'm on the computer right in front of them. And I'm editing exactly how it was said. Cause it's, mm -hmm. and the students like, yep, that's what he said. So they're, what they say and how they say it matters and if someone didn't say it, they'll say, well, so-and-so said that, Mike, and they'll make up, you know, a, um, they're like, that's right. But remember, I did add on and we did disagree on this part. So they just, they're into the thinking behind it and the, and the different moves that, that unfolded. But I love the part where they, they can see where they're building and elevating the thinking and they can see where, where things um when someone fell off the track. But that's also a good point because they, they will problem solve, you know, what, how do you know and what happened? And then we kind of problem solve of what, what unfolded and then what we can do to move the conversation forward. So there's always problem solving unfolding within a conversation. You know, Peter has some important research in his presentations that helped me realize the importance of children thinking together 
the research was around the fact that when children share their strategies publicly, that is taken up by other children. And the more that these strategies are circulated, the more they're taken up by more and more children. Therefore, it's exponentially helping the learning of the whole community, the individual and the whole community. And I found that, that research really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the book it, it has such a nice flow to it. You know, there's, there's description of practice and there's explanation of why so-and-so did this and that. And, but then it, it goes on to cite you know, some of the research to support that. And it just keeps coming back in that, in that cycle, which I really appreciated. It just, it's just a nice marriage of, of the research we know is effective and it shows that practices are effective, but then actually seeing those practices in action. It's just a, a very unique resource. That was the piece that uh, Peter helped us with because in trying to write this book, it was really complex. It was really difficult because when you have multiple authors and all these uh, wonderful examples of learning in classrooms and the social emotional and the, and the intellectual lives of these children, what Peter fortunately, um, and um, he was very selflessly willing to help us put that together with the research because he has an incredible knowledge of what supports this work. Mm-hmm. We could talk, I think we could talk about this for, for hours, just all of the, <laughs> uh, you know, all the insights that are coming from this book. And like I said, I'm only into it a uh, hundred pages. I want to wait and, and read some of it with the book study this summer. Uh, I'm not going to go too much into just the current situation with the pandemic and everyone at home, but I will say this is that, I'm not teaching right now, but I can see so many of the ideas, if not all of them, being facilitated online through through video conference tools, through learning management systems, and because it's it's based on dialogue, uh, which we're doing right now, and this can't be facilitated uh, with kids. Uh, but any thoughts in general regarding that? Well, I I think on one hand, what comes out of this uncertain times is valuing the human. I think when we do come back together, I'm hopeful that everyone, the students and teachers and administrators will really embrace and value being together and the importance of that physical community is important. I, I do agree that the, um, you can take the precepts of this work, valuing student voices, making sure that online or in person that students' uh, voices are heard and their thinking is valued and finding places and ways to do that I think is critical no matter what platform you're using or if it's um, in person. Mm-hmm. And Mary, just looking toward uh, the fall, um, we're just ending our school years now. What, what's giving you hope for the coming school year? You know, thinking about this project and, and working with Kathy and Peter and the rest of this uh, team? Well, what we do know is that the physical part, um, coming together, gathering every morning and, and just learning how to, how we want things to, to grow and to establish a culture um, and a climate that shows that you care. There's a sense of belonging, connectedness uh, and meaningfulness. Um, knowing that is essential. Just trying to be creative in a way and um, thinking of how we can do that in a virtual way because it's different when you're you don't start off the way we have this year and ending the way we have it's it was easier this way because we had established for two-thirds of the year we had established a community and the students know how we live so when we went online and we 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 were working um, with webex the students 
understood the expectations and they know how we show that we care but it was harder it was hard to to get to the to get where we were at but just knowing that we cared about each other and that hearing each other's voices and inviting each other in whether we were doing what we call a tight chat or um our conversation where we could only view their names that was i think it's we've done it as best as we possibly could but um they do say that they miss being together mm -hmm. they miss seeing each other's because um, a lot of the things as you have conversation it's a nonverbal. you know when someone is looking at you how someone is sitting up straight or leaning into what you're saying or um, being able to turn the pages and go back to an illustration or a move or a phrase that that stayed with them that part they miss and so knowing that that's what's possible at least we know what we what we need to to grow a community and to grow a dialogic classroom but also from now to the summer trying to think of ways to do that virtually i don't know if there's any way that you can take away the you can take the human connectedness to grow a community but i think we can begin to think of a way to to know what we know and to find ways to to grow it, it's it's a challenge because the the physical part of seeing someone seeing their eyes light up or kind of see them look down because they're thinking deeply. Those moves are so vital to to knowing how it's affecting your classmates and how what you say and how you say it and how you're inviting someone in. Those those are such significant moves in growing a community that cares that I think just by knowing that trying to figure out ways to to establish that in a virtual way is it's new <laughs> but it's something that I take um, seriously because I know how important it is to grow a community from the start of one that cares and values and puts others, you know, at a place where they feel that they can share out and that they are part of it. So mm -hmm. um, that's the challenge, Matt. That's yeah. hard. <laughs> yeah. And we're all in this uh, together. Yeah. And, uh, but I think your book is, is a, I would say is a necessary read as you prepare for those, uh, the coming school year. Uh, it's called Engaging Literate Minds, Developing Children's Social, Emotional, and Intellectual Lives, K3. Kathy Shampo and Mary Komar. Uh, thank you so much for joining me and inspiring us to to develop ourselves and our students together going forward. Well, thank you, Matt, for the opportunity to talk about our work. We appreciate it very much. Thank you, Matt. And a special thank you to Stenhouse Publishers for sponsoring this podcast.